0: So good to be together this morning. Uh, later last Thursday evening, this past Thursday evening, uh, one of our small group leaders uh, emailed me and said, Hi, Pastor, just finished with our small group, and their testimonies were how they've been putting your message from last Sunday into practice this week in reaching out to people they don't know or who are not like them. Not only at church, but also at the grocery store and other places. Praise the Lord, she said. We are learning. Well, I was encouraging email. That was our second core value last week, a ten of eyes. Noticing people and then seeing them as Jesus sees them. And uh, thank God for the way so many of you are living that out. And it's a ten of eyes that then lead us to our next core value. We're going through our five core values as as a church, looking at each week a king from, an ancient king from Jerusalem that illustrates uh, those values. This week we're going to come to not so much a king, the king's name will be Joash, but his mentor, Jehoiada. And he is going to model for us what it means to take a ten of eyes the next step and actually link arms, actually come alongside each other. And the story uh, begins in 2 Chronicles 22. Now, if you like palace intrigue, uh, 2 Chronicles 22 will blow your mind. And it's far too complicated even to try to walk a, a whole group of people like this through. But you might have some fun reading 2 Chronicles 22. But here's where the story leads in verse 10. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. So this is someone you would not want to have as your grandmother. We'll just call her the wicked old old witch of the east. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jerome, took Joash. Now Joash is going to be the next king took Joash the son of Ahaziah and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. And she hid the child, this is Joash, from Athaliah so she could not kill him. And he, Joash, remained hidden with them at the temple of God for six years while Athaliah Ruled the land, and then we're introduced to the guy who will become J- young Joash's mentor. It's in verse one of the next chapter, chapter twenty-three. In the seventh year, so this would probably make Joash seven, eight, maybe nine years old. In the seventh year, Je- Jehoiada, the high, who's a high priest, showed his strength. In other words, he did something that took a little courage. Verse 11, Jehoiada and his sons brought out the king's son, this is Joash, and put the crown on him. So he's been, he's been hidden for now seven years, and they finally bring him out, and they put a crown on him, and they present him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. And they anointed Joash and shouted, long live the king. So it's a rather dramatic moment. Athaliah um, goes crazy and ends up losing her life in the whole mess that follows. And Joash becomes the next king. Now a great English preacher of uh, just over a hundred years ago, John Henry Jowett, he said, it is possible to evade a multitude of sorrows to the cultivation of an insignificant life. You want to have not many hurts and pains and inconveniences? Just live in an insignificant way. He, said, he goes on and says, Indeed, if a man's ambition is to avoid the troubles of life, the recipe is simple. Shed your ambitions in every direction, cut the wings of every soaring purpose, and seek a life with the fewest contacts and relations. You you want to save yourself some trouble? Just avoid people. (laughs) That's it. No connections, no linked arms. You'll also go insane, but that's beside the point. If you want to live a simpler life, don't complicate your life with other people. But that's not what joy does. In fact, he illustrates what I think is, is the first thing that a linked arms really looks like. Linked arms is having the courage to come alongside someone else. I mean, this is not complicated. A ten of eyes make you notice people and see them with Jesus eyes. And linked arms is that next step where, you, like, like Jehoiada. It was there in verse one of chapter twenty-three. In the seventh year, Jehoiada showed his strength. He was going to go get Joash out of hiding. Athaliah is still ruling the land with all of her paranoia and terror and and he just decides this is the moment that I come alongside this new young king and I endorse him publicly I validate him and I present him to his country he saw a king in this little boy and he said this is my moment and it said he showed his strength which would uh, we would say he mustered his courage and sometimes it takes courage just to come alongside somebody because we're going to have to answer the question okay who is it that i could be spending more time with than i have been this is what it comes down to and that may mean a little inconvenience that may mean risking rejection and uh And and who knows how you find those people. Maybe they're people you keep running into all the time. And, And so you take the next step and say, well, maybe we ought to have lunch together or have coffee together at least. I mean, we keep running into each other. Or maybe there's just somebody that God's put on your heart. Or at least we're praying, God, would you lead me to somebody I need to come alongside in a way that I'm not right now? So, a few years ago, I told you, some of you, this story of um, two friends. They're a married couple, Ken and Val, that live in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And Sandy and I were there. We were pastoring that church before we came to Central. And they were a a, a very beautiful, handsome couple, very sophisticated. They owned uh, their own business in downtown Vancouver, they were quite successful. Val sang in our worship choir, Ken was on our elected board of deacons, and they'd been longtime faithful members of the church, and, and they said, Pastor, God started to speak to us. We have a 20-minute drive to church, and we felt like the Lord was prompting us to start praying as we drove to church about who we could invite out to lunch after church, but there were no conditions, because it'd be, it'd be, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord really led you? to invite your best friend out for lunch. (laughs) That would be really non-risky. But they prayed it without condition. They said, one Sunday we were praying. We drove those 20 minutes to church. In the car, Val and I, Ken told me, prayed. Lord, lead us to somebody at church today that we can take out to lunch. Ken was one of our prayer workers, like we saw up here. And a guy, it might have been, I don't know, it might have been his first or second time at church. He was a young 20-something-year-old off the streets of Vancouver, had a prison record, had fought addiction in his life. I couldn't imagine somebody more different than Ken. But he came up and just happened to find Ken to pray with. Ken prayed for him. He went, Ken went back later to his seat and said to Val, I think I know who we're supposed to take out for lunch today. So although there were a thousand people in that service, They found this guy after service and took him out to lunch. I mean, this guy, like, hit the lottery, right? Because Ken and Val paid. And they just lumped on him and just paid attention to him. And so, obviously, he comes back to church the next week. Who wouldn't? With some of his friends. (laughs) You all know the rest of that story. He finds Ken and Val after and said, Ken... Val, so good to see you. Boy, I really enjoyed lunch last week. By the way, here's some of my friends. I'd like to introduce them. So they all go out to lunch. The next week, all those friends come back to church with a few more friends. Literally within three months, Ken's sitting in one of our board meetings, and he says, it's getting expensive taking 35 people out to lunch every (laughs) week. But we go in that restaurant, we just pull all the tables together. He said, last Sunday at lunch, we decided just for the fun of it to add up all the jail time represented around that table. He said it was a very large number. (laughs) And um, we just finished renovating a warehouse right beside the church. And during this time, God, God took one of the leading chefs in downtown Vancouver, and he met Christ. Jesus saved him, and he was a part of this whole network, and so we decided in the abandoned warehouse we just rehabilitated beside the church to actually hold an event there and actually feed people on Sunday off the streets, and, and it became what became known as Club Freedom. They'd have a worship service, and they'd, they'd feed people. Sandy and I were there a few years later. It had grown to nearly 150 And that guy they invited to lunch was still a part of that. Then I learned this week that they've now extended to three locations and they're ministering to people all over the place because, now, this is not a guarantee, so fear not. If you invite someone to lunch today, I can't guarantee that will happen to you (laughs) as much as I'd love it to happen to you. All I know is when you come alongside somebody in Jesus' name, you look at them not through your own lifestyle eyes. Ken and Val couldn't afford to do that. But you look at them through Jesus' eyes, and then you say, I'm going to do something to link arms. And then you leave it in God's hand. That may be all. And one lunch may be all. But when you come alongside people, maybe there's people you keep running into. You just got to spend a little more time with them and see what God does. Some of you guys really have really been speaking to you about leadership, and I just urge you to, to be a part of, at 9 o'clock next Sunday morning, the small group leaders information thing, where, where God might be saying to you, you may not even know who some of those people are, and so it's going to take some courage, but who knows what could happen if you just help a few people link arms with each other, and and you facilitate it, you don't... We can provide you lots of resources. But God's speaking to some of you. Some of you, he's been speaking to you for years about stepping out, not just being a follower, but being a leader, and helping connect other people. And and it's your moment. You you need to be doing this. I'm grateful for you teenagers. So many of you are investing in our children, in our children's ministry. And some of you college students and older adults, you've been investing in our teenagers. And, and, And you're just walking alongside people. Last, last Wednesday night I was up in the upper year and I, I, was, I was talking to Brian Kelly and he was telling me about the two guys at our sister church, Freedom City Church, that he is personally mentoring, just spending time with them. And I'm grateful for, for, for guys like I chair the Hope Homes uh, Adult and Teen Challenge Center here that's run by Freedom City. And I don't know, I mean for me personally, you know, we're just going by faith month to month financially. It just goes like... like Like, I go, oh, God, we're going to find the money this month. But at the same time, God's transforming lives because people like Daryl Erickson in our church are going over there and mentoring. People like Jerry Spain, people like Pastor Don right here go over during the week and do Bible study and discipleship. I mean, who knows what God can do? I mean, financial problems aside, who knows what God can do when we just come alongside people? And, And so maybe God's who is it that God might be speaking to you about and are there ways when you come alongside those people are there ways you could help them identify better their potential because when when you help somebody visualize what they can become I mean you'll have influence whether you've got a leadership title or not when you do this I, had a, I got together a couple of weeks ago with a a leader in our Springfield community here who i didn't know but wanted to connect and talk, and so whenever I'm trying to get to know somebody, uh, i 'll ask them like about about who the big influencers were in their lives, of all the thousands of people you've known in your life, who are those two or three that stood out, I mean beyond your parents, but stood out and affected you in a way thousands of other people didn't and, and you know what ultimately, as with this guy, the answer generally boils down to two things. Number one, they showed specific interest in me. I mean, they decided to spend more time with me, or somehow they showed, in, they paid attention to me, and, and I liked what their lives represented, but they paid attention to me. And the other thing they'll invariably say is, and they believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. They saw potential in me. Listen, Jehoiada saw an eight-year-old boy, and he saw a king there, and he knew that if he would come alongside this young boy and help him see his potential, he could become one of the great kings in Israel. And this is what we do when we come alongside one another. You know, who are those people? And those that we are alongside, are we encouraging, are we helping them to see the potential? Because most of us need people in our lives who believe in us more than we believe in us. I and mean, we all believe in Jesus, right? I don't know, we're except if you're that occasional narcissist, you're probably riddled with insecurities. I grew up that way. I thank God for people who've spoken in my life who saw potential I never saw and started drawing it out of me. This is, this is the power of having the courage to come alongside somebody else. And then Jehoiada did a second thing. There's also a part of being in life together with linked arms. Jehoiada... Jehoiada demonstrated for us what it is to experience the power of teamwork. To experience the power of teamwork. Now this is going to have nothing to do with young King Joash at this moment. But Joash was probably still pretty young. And uh, because of this evil grandmother and all these things, people weren't worshiping the Lord anymore. The temple had fallen into dysfunction. So verse 18 of 2 Chronicles 23 says, Then Jehoiada placed the oversight of the temple of the Lord in the hands of the Levitical priests, to whom David had made assignments in the temple. So all these Levitical priests, he, he got them working in teams as David had designed it to present burnt offerings of the Lord and to the Lord as written in the law of Moses. With rejoicing and singers. So he got to worship teams together as David had ordered and he also stationed security folks and gatekeepers at the gates and group leaders and all of these things of the Lord's temple so that no one who was in any way unclean might enter. And so he set in order the refunctioning of the temple, and he did it by putting people into teams. And this is also really important for us. One of the things we say as a church family when we talk about having linked arms with each other is that none of us needs to be a Lone Ranger, that we do things in teams. Now this is an overused cliche, but let me say it anyway. Teamwork makes the dream work. I'm gonna try that again. Teamwork makes the dream work. It's a way of saying none of us reach our potential. None of us can make a difference in the world alone to the degree that we could if we were together. None of us achieves our potential alone. And teamwork, I've just come to love teamwork. I've committed myself that everything I do in ministry, I want to do with teams in my future because it takes the pressure off me, for one thing. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room because I'm working with the team. And when we do things in teams together, we we can see the potential of God doing amazing things through us and maybe that reassures you as well when you do link arms with others in a ministry all we're trying to design every one of our ministries here at the church to be ministries that are done with teams so we're not just just alone and and sometimes to work with a team you first of all have to ask yourself you know are there are there insecurities that are holding me back sometimes you know once in a while you you know in churches you run into somebody saying, this is my ministry, I've had it for 40 years, nobody else is going to touch it, this is my turf. And sometimes that's just our insecurity. We have way too much of our identity wrapped up into something we do, whereas identity means to be wrapped up in Jesus and being full of the Spirit. And when it's wrapped up in Jesus and being full of the Spirit, you, you, you don't just clutch things for yourself you you say instead, well, I wonder who I could mentor. I wonder if I could reproduce myself. Not like, well, this is my turf, nobody's going to touch it. No, if you've been doing it for 35 years, I want to see who you've raised up and reproduced yourself in. This is disciple-making. This is linking arms. And you got to overcome that insecurity of, of you, you know, I, I won't have an identity if I can't do my thing all alone. And And, and it's hard to work on teams, too, because... Your insecurities will, will sometimes say, what if somebody's on the team can do some things better than I can? And I used to worry about that. And so I keep gifted people away from me. You know, because I was too insecure and too arrogant to admit that somebody else on the team has a better idea than I do sometimes. Well, I got over that, folks, long ago. Jesus helped me march that to the cross, crucify it. And I, I want to tell you, I get nervous if I don't have people more talented than me around me. That's why I got Pastor Carter. That's why, that's why I've got Pastor Noble. That's why I've got Pastor Steve on, my, on the team I lead. I mean, that, I need people who sometimes have better ideas than I do. And I know, I know as a team leader what my role is. But my insecurities can say you know what um okay i'll give a you know i'll let somebody run with something but i'm going to do all their thinking for them i'm going to micromanage them and if they do succeed i'm going to be worried that it's 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 maybe a bad reflection on me like i should have been the one who could have done that and you got to die to all that stuff i mean there's a kind of death there's a kind of dying to self work on a team but but here's the journey When, when we confront our insecurities then we ask ourselves how can i celebrate team wins above personal wins this is it how can i do it so our you know as a church we have five core values on staff on our pastoral team that i lead um we have 10 team values this is how we work together as a team one of them is this There are no superstars on the team. We may have some superstar talent, but nobody thinks like a superstar. There are no superstars on the team, only humble servant leaders who are working towards personal effectiveness and the success of other team members. Because if the team wins, I win. And so my preoccupation is helping the team win. Yeah, i got to do what I only do, and i got to do it well. But that's not my only focus. It's how does the whole team win? And so Jehoiada got all these people working together to reestablish function to the work of God. And, and, and every time I read that paragraph in 2 in Chronicles 23, I, I, I always think team. I think, Lord, I love this teamwork. Together we can really pull this off and do it. So linked arms for, for Jehoiada was first of all coming along some side, having the courage to come along somebody, side somebody, like he did with Joe Ash, and and then to really experience the power of teamwork. And then, and then, Jehoiada reminds me, because of what happens next, that none of us should ever underestimate the power of our influence. Linking arms means that all of us can have influence and never underestimate the influence you can have on somebody else. And this is sadly but vividly illustrated for us next. When chapter 24, verse 2, Joash, King Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years uh, of Jehoiada the priest. All the years that Jehoiada lived and was King Joash's mentor, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, Jehoiada lived to 130 years old. God have mercy. <laughs> I don't think I want to live that long in this world. I'd rather go see Jesus a little earlier. But, you know, he lived to 130 years old. And God gave him those years because jo- to get some things done in the kingdom, Joash needed that needed somebody who had linked arms with him from the time he was a little kid and, and to advance the purposes of God. But here's the bad part of the story, verse 17. After the death of Joiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king and he listened to them. And they turned out to be the wrong people to listen to. They abandoned the temple of the Lord the God of their ancestors, and worshiped Asherah poles and idols. And because of their guilt, God's anger came on Judah in Jerusalem. And although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. Here's the sad part of it. Jehoiada passes away, And the wrong people start surrounding King Joash. Who is it? Jim Rohn, the famous motivational speaker who says, we tend to be the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And and he surrounds himself with people who lead him away. What a testament. What a tragedy, first of all. But what a testament to the influence of Joadah. And, and the writer of 2 Chronicles tells us that God sent prophets to try to turn Joash and his administration back to God. And even they couldn't do it. They could not do, even the prophets of God could not do what a significant, come-along, linked-armed person could do. And I just believe that link arms with our influence you know a lot of people say i'm not a leader i don't feel like a leader i've had actually leaders tell me they don't feel like a leader they still lead but listen you don't need even be a leader to have influence i hope you all have influence i hope you all lead people better than when you found them because of your influence because you just love them you don't do rocket science stuff you just love them you listen you encourage them you help them see their potential you do things in teams with them I hope this happens to you. But, but I think our linked arms start even before then. Our linked arms start in the spiritual realm. Where, where we ask ourselves, I mean, who do I need to keep praying for? Who do I need to keep lifting up to the Lord? And never, never underestimate the power of linking arms with people in the spirit by praying for them. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter, uh, he says this in Ephesians uh, chapter six, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He uses all three times. In other words, he says, you just flat out link arms with people in the spirit, first of all. All kinds of prayers at all kinds of times with all kinds of people. And you link arms in the Spirit. My wife's sitting down here. She leads I Pray. I think we had about eight groups last year of women gathering together specifically committed to pray for families and to pray for people in their lives. And, you know, they saw some answered prayer and some breakthroughs. And there's some other people that still haven't budged. But you know what? We don't stop linking arms in the Spirit with people. We link arms in the Spirit. By being a culture and a church of prayer, where we're just constantly doing this, you need people linking arms with you in the spirit. I mean, who are your prayer partners? Who's linking arms with you in the spirit? Knowing specifically how to pray for you, and so and so, this is where it starts. And then, and 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 then, and then we ask ourselves. You know, if we're going to be of influence, how can we simply take what God's given to me and pass it on to someone else? First Peter 4, verse 10, Peter writes, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. It's, it's right there. That's why we try not, sometimes we slip, but we try not to say, even in the post-pandemic era where it's been Almost every church, including ours, has really been struggling with re-engaging post-pandemic volunteers. But we're trying not to say we need volunteers because you don't exist for us. No, we exist to help you reach your potential. So we don't say we need volunteers. We say we have volunteer opportunities. Opportunities to do what just Peter said. You should use whatever, what you've received from the Lord as faithful stewards, give it away to other people. That's where influence comes. You influence them through prayer and then you take what God's given you and just give it away. That's what Jehoiada did for Joash. And sometimes it takes time for people to grow. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it doesn't come easily. But I want to tell you, never underestimate the power of, of your influence if you just see somebody with Jesus' eyes and walk with them for a while and even be a part of their team. Never underestimate what can happen. Look, King Joash stayed on the right way as long as that mentor kept locked arms with him. But when he was gone, he spun out of control and the wrong people started to influence him don't give up on the people you're hoping for, praying for, mentoring, encouraging. They're going to stumble sometimes. They're going to drive you crazy other days. But don't give up on the people you're walking with. Who knows what the end of the story could be if you stay faithful to them. That was Jehoiada's story. King Joash's mentor, he had the courage to come alongside that young king and he let people experience the power of teamwork to reinvigorate the work of God. And he, he didn't underestimate. He showed us we should never underestimate the power of even what prophets from God could not accomplish. He accomplished in Joash- Joash's life by just walking with him. Praise God. Just smile at me just once. Isn't that something? You don't need to be a leader to have world-shaking influence. All you've got to do is touch one person or a small group that you might lead. Or a kid. You, in, I've heard stories of some of our teenagers coming alongside little children who are just standing there alone on a Sunday morning and, and just caring about them and how transformational things start to be triggered in their lives. This is God's work And it's his kingdom. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.